1: It's going down.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on whenever you get your podcasts or Uh My name is Kenny McIntosh and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you this fine Tuesday afternoon?
1: Kenny, I'm doing well. I finished my contributions to this month's magazine, so um feeling relieved as I always am the day after deadline. Mm-hmm. I'm pleased to be here with you today to talk about Smackdown and crown jewel and maybe something else but probably not. maybe just those two shows.
0: Yeah probably, probably mostly crown jewel but Smackdown and we're actually we're in the same country today. I'm in England down to see my other half's uh, family in Durham so uh, yeah we're, we're in the same plate well not the same place but the same country so
1: Well you um, don't need your passport yet Kenny to go from Scotland to England maybe one day.
0: Maybe one day. Maybe one day. I almost, got in a, I almost got in a fight with a train conductor two hours ago. So that was fun. Ah,
1: you just can't get on with anyone, Kenny, can you? That's your problem. Well,
0: I'll tell you what happened. So we booked the, the train from uh, Glasgow to Durham, right? And we yeah. booked the, the first class because there was a good deal on it. So, OK, we'll get that. It's fine. So Well, we'll go... and
1: do you travel any other way? Let's be honest.
0: <laughs> well, it all depends what deals are on. So that's what depends on how I travel. Um. But uh those so we, 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 I think we paid like a hundred quid or something for the two of us, and that was like uh, to to go to Durham today to go to London. It's like a really good deal we got to do a couple. Uh, of them. You,
1: you must have the two together rail card, right? No, we don't. Is that a thing? Two together rail card, Kenny. You need one. Oh, it gets. I think it's a third off fares when traveling together. You'll have to look that one up.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm gonna look that. But so so we were traveling to Durham. And then but we we actually wanted to get off at Chesterly Street because that's the area where his uh, family are. So Chesterly Street is like, if you imagine Edinburgh, ed, sort of, you get on the train at ed, ed, So Glasgow's zero, Durham's 100. That's the percentage of your destination, like, to get to where you're going. Chesterly Street is at, like, 95. But in, in order to get there, you have to go off at Durham and go 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 on another train and go back one stop. So I'd asked somebody on the LNR train, I was like, is that, like, is is that something I can do? Anyway, like, yeah, it's fine. You've got you've got the advanced single. It includes connections. You'll be fine. That's like, okay. Sure, sure, fine. Get to Durham. got on the train, and the conductor was like, "You can't do that. You you you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to." to. I was like, well, I was told I was. That's fine. I'll just buy a ticket. And he said, "No, you can't buy a ticket. We don't let you buy tickets on trains. I'm gonna to have to fine you both twenty pounds each." I said, "What?" And I was, I couldn't I couldn't believe that this was something. And he was like. But he was a total Jobs worth, obviously. Yeah. And um, and I was like, I was like, I, I, I said, I'm not being funny. I'm not paying you forty pounds. Like, th- th- it's just not going to happen. And he was like, well, if you're refusing to pay your fare, I said no. I said I'm I'm happy to speak to someone, but I'm not paying you forty pounds. So then he takes a photo of me on his body cam thing, <laughs> and says, right, you will need to launch an appeal. And I was like, you can bet your bottom dollar I'll launch an appeal. If you, th- I said, it's within the distance of where I'm going. I was like, and also, I'm saying, if if I've been told the wrong information, fine, I'll pay for a ticket, no problem. But £20, fine, as if, like, why would we have a first-class ticket somewhere? A, a massive suitcase and a dog, and, like, do you know what we'll do? We'll dodge that last fiver at the, at the bottom end. It makes no sense. So, anyway, but he was being very aggressive about how we were in the wrong, yeah. uh, and, and that was... I'm 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 not good when people are very aggressive towards me, so but I, I I held it together, and I've launched an appeal. So I'll keep you posted on the appeal
1: process. Okay, we need we you know we need a running progress report on social media. You know we need regular updates, Kenny. But no, seriously, I mean I know they I know they do fine you now because you can't just buy a ticket on the train anymore. Well, they that's not the case in Scotland. We you.
0: you can still buy because
1: a... also they walk about with the machines. Yes. Yes they do. Why? Right. I think it's because so many people try and scam it and it's to discourage people from doing that because I mean a lot of times when you get on a train um your ticket won't be checked so if you are aware that if you get on there with a get on the train without buying a ticket first uh, and your ticket is checked not only will you have to buy a ticket but then you will have to pay a fine also it's a good incentive to buy a ticket every time that's yeah. i think the motivation behind it
0: and and you know had had i been out with where i was traveling or or had i been trying to chance my arm fine me away no problem i get it but that's yeah. not what was happening so anyway
1: I mean, they usually are pretty reasonable when you do these appeals, in my experience. Um, they usually are re- really accommodating, so you should be all right, Kenny. Just tell them that Finn sent you. You'll be all right.
0: Well, they get. I do. Apparently, you do have three three chances to appeal it. So if I don't get it the first time, I'll be dropping that F Martin name to try and get a, get 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 further along the ladder.
1: Yeah, they get um, out of the fine free card.
0: <laughs> um, now listen, we'll spend the majority of today talking about Crown Jewel because that's that's really the the, the big thing. But sure. I do want to mention the main event of SmackDown, which obviously was uh, Gunther and Rey Mysterio for the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, um, talk to me about that match. I mean, it, it, night and day to how the IC title was treated and contended even three months ago.
1: Oh yeah, I mean it's um, it is amazing difference, isn't it? I mean it's. Um... <laughs> I mean, we were sort of. It was on this track before Vince retired, um, but it certainly speeded up. Now I don't use any train analogies today, (laughs) Kenny. Even though I just already have
0: done. (laughs)
1: Um, But no, this was the this was the direction, wasn't it? When Vince was still running the show, it did feel like the Intercontinental title had become a priority to him again after you know years of. I wasn't always irrelevant. I mean, when Sammy was champ, I think it did matter. And I think when Ricochet was champ, it did matter, some weeks at least. But certainly since Gunter became champion again, the IC title has become, you know, a much bigger deal. Uh, it feels like it's got prestige again. And certainly since Triple H took over in July. It's just gained. Uh, It feels, you know, illustrious again, doesn't it? It feels like a championship that matters. And this was another match, um, you know, of consequence, of weight, of substance. As we know, Rey Mysterio had won a a number one contenders match two weeks earlier. And uh, was it two weeks or was it three weeks earlier? Maybe it was three weeks. I think it was three weeks, actually. Yeah. Time. yeah, because this was this was a pre tape wasn't it, this November 4th show? It was,
0: yeah. They'd been taped the week before because they were obviously on their way to to
1: Riyadh. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So he'd won the number one contenders match uh, prior to the match, and this was promoted on TV. And it was the match went exactly as you would expect it to do. It was the small man, Rey Mysterio versus the big man. I mean, Rey knows how, I mean, he can do this match in his sleep. Gunter's the master of this type of match. And, um, yeah it just felt like it it just felt it just felt big didn't it it felt like a main event it was received as a main event it was promoted as a main event the commentators treated it like a main event um i mean it was like ray had uh, several near falls really looked like he might pull off the upset and in the end gunter won after a mega big boot and a clothesline so it was a you know, it was a decisive win by Gunter, but Ray pulled up a hell of a fight before he was beaten. So, you know, very worthy main event. I think Ray was protected by Gunter. The whole match layout was designed to ha- enhance both challenger and champion, and I felt it did so.
0: Yeah, it was it was a great match. Really, really good stuff, and uh, it made the IC title feel important again. So long may it continue. Um, Indeed, yeah, just a couple of other things,
1: if I may, on SmackDown.
0: Sure. The floor is yours. We
1: announced a SmackDown World Cup tournament. I mean, we don't need any more tournaments. <laughs> we don't need any more meaningless prizes, thank you. But then at um, least with this one, that the prize is
0: going to be a shot at the Intercontinental Championship. So there is a, you know, it's, it's, it, there's something at the end of it. I mean, you know, WWE should not be penalised for Tony Can's, you know, Obsession with <laughs> tournaments.
1: Well, yeah, I know that that has crept into it, you know, that has, <laughs> that has soured the whole tournament concept for me. But I mean, like, you know, just make it a tournament to name the new England World contender to the IC belt. You know, we don't, I, you know, I guess it's the World Cup tie in, which begins, I think it's a week on Sunday, isn't it? The World Cup, I believe, begins. Yes. The football World Cup. Not that I'm a football fan, as people probably know. I would also just mention the Liv Morgan versus Sonya Deville. No DQ match in the open. I thought that was really good. Um, you know, Lots of weapons, kendo stick, uh, lots of chairs. Uh, Morgan won after blasting Deville with oblivion onto chairs. I thought this was, was very well received by the audience as well. Um, and it really feels like this you know, reinvention of Morgan is going in the right direction. The whole purpose of this is to put distance between the current Morgan and the Morgan who had that flop tower in. That's the whole, you know, idea of this. And I think it's the right decision. I mean, we'll see if she ever has another run with the belt. Uh, but I think for now, you know, Morgan's doing well. And the best thing for her career you know, ironically, was that she lost that belt because it was kind of dragging her down and she was dragging the belt down as well. Not that Ronda Rousey's exactly elevating it at the moment, but, you know, <laughs> Liv wasn't working as champ.
0: No, not at all. Not at all. Um Yeah, should we'll, we we'll, we'll, we'll move on to Jewel? Joe? Sure, be- yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's dive into Crown Jewel. So we opened the show with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. Uh, I mean, less said about the press conference the day before, the better. I mean, you know, if you know, if most of us kind of we we sort of are able to to compartmentalize things to get through these Saudi Arabia shows, and that's kind of how we get through it. I mean, that press conference, you know, was just it, it really tasteless. A lot of the you know putting over these dictators and, and you know, it just really left a sour t- t- taste in my mouth, you know, when you've got all these wrestlers. You know, MVP who's not allowed to travel to Saudi Arabia because he, you know, used to be a Muslim and is now an atheist, and that's a punishable crime in Saudi Arabia. You know, this is this is where they're going, which is fine, but, I mean, to be, you know, giving the dictator a title belt and that like he's some sort of philanthropist is just a bit much for me. But luckily the show itself Didn't have any of that stuff. It was just kind of a wrestling show, which we opened with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. They went about six minutes. Brock Lesnar gets the win. So they're now tied at one and one. What did you make of the opener?
1: Yeah. I mean, just to mention the press conference stuff. I mean, it's, I mean, that stuff, it is something that you almost have to tolerate. I mean, I understand what you mean. It feels unsavory. It is unsavory. Um, And it's just, they entered into this agreement, WWE, with their eyes open. I mean, what was it, 2018 this started? Or was it 2019?
0: 2017, is it not? No, it was 2018 because it was the greatest Royal Rumble took place. I think it was like a month after WrestleMania 34.
1: Yeah, so we're like four and a half years into this 10-year deal, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we're not even halfway there yet, Kenny. And these are things that... I suppose they have to do, and they agreed to do when they signed, you know, up for this huge colossal money deal. Uh, but yes, I'm with you there, Kenny. Uh, Bobby Lashley versus brought Lesnar. Um, yeah, I mean, it was I mean, it was a good. But I actually felt like it should have gone longer. I mean, I thought it was just getting going when, um, you know, Lesnar, um, he was trapped in the uh, hurt lock by Lashley. And then Lesnar sort of kicked off the turnbuckles, fell backwards, landed on top of Lashley. Um, and Lashley was kind of a fluke pin. And Lashley was like stunned that he'd been pinned as Lesnar was lying on top of him as he's holding Lesnar in the hurt lock. I mean, one thing that I really liked about this was that Lesnar did not break the hold. And it just shows you that Lesnar all business. There's no ego here at all. And he sold that full Nelson like, No one else in pro wrestling would, and that you know takes a lot of. That takes a lot of, not so much talent, but a lot, a lot of. um, It just shows how um, how self assured Lesnar is that he knows, as this purely powerful guy, that he can sell that hold, not break it, and he's still gonna be over. You know, he understands. I say this every time about Lesnar. He understands that pro wrestling lives and dies on the strength of the cell. I mean, that's what underpins the whole damn business. And I, I would say every every young wrestler who's wondering why he or she's not getting over or why people aren't reacting to the matches, you know, watch Brock Lesnar and try to replicate some of the things that he does. Because he makes you believe, doesn't he, Kenny, that he's really in pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did it at the start when Lashley, kind of Lashley played heel, did here. Lashley was the heel in this match. He attacked Lesnar at ringside, shoved him into the ring steps, and Lesnar was selling the knee from from the start of the match and sold it throughout. So he was kind of on the back foot uh, before the bell even rang. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good little match. I was expecting more from it. I was hoping it would last longer, but I like the story they told. Um, And Lashley as well, you know, looked strong because it was kind of a fluke loss. And then afterwards, he applied the hurt lock on Lesnar again, who who sold even more. Lesnar was just like, showed so much vulnerability here. You know, again, it just shows you, you know, how, you know, his personal belief in himself, that his character can do this and still remain over and still remain, you know, one of the two biggest stars in the biz.
0: Um, Well, let's move on next to Asuka and Alexa Bliss fresh fresh off winning the women's tag team titles. They defend them against Dakota Kai and Io Sky and Dakota and Io were able to get the win here and win their titles back. And this, do you know what? This match wasn't too bad. And with Alexa Bliss, that's about the best you can hope for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was okay. I always, I mean, obviously the women were there in their superhero outfits, which um, they obviously have to wear when they're out there and that's just the way it is. Um, I mean, I mean, I didn't predict this. I thought that Bliss and Asco would retain. And it did seem like they just won the belts in order to drop them again here at Crown Jewel. They only won the belts on Raw. So then they dropped them back. You know, they won them on the Monday and dropped them back on the Saturday. It all seemed rather pointless to me. I mean, it was a nice stacked up superplex sport with all of them involved and Bliss was on top of that and she took the, you know, the brunt of it. I didn't really like the finish. And Nikki Cross ran in as the uh, referee's attention was diverted and she attacked Bliss. And then, uh, who was it? Uh, Dakota Kai then pinned Bliss um, to win the match and become new champ. So it's kind of scrappy and, I mean, just, yeah, just never really settled down the match. And, And he just never really sort of picked up pace didn't like the finish at all. Didn't like. Didn't like really much of it. Really, to be honest, Kenny. Didn't Very like this match cool. at all. Really, if I'm honest. Uh,
0: well, I mean, at least the women don't need to wear the big baggy t-shirts anymore. At least there's that.
1: Well, I suppose there is something. Yes, there is that. There's a, <laughs> there's a nugget. There's something.
0: a nugget. Maybe, maybe my bar is just so low with Alexa Bliss that when the match isn't dire for me. It's a good result. Um, I mean the. I, con- some, I mean
1: the, the thing about these matches is you watch them, you think, oh yeah, it's just getting going, and then it just never kind of progresses. And there were some good exchanges between Eosky and Asko, and parts of it were really good, but it, it just didn't mesh, and the different sections of the match didn't interlock to tell a bigger story. It just felt like you know lots of different sequences that you know didn't really amount to a to a proper sort of match and a. You know, an actual sort of experience. It was just like you know, a load of moves. Um, well, listen, let's um,
0: let's dive into the. I, I'm going to come back to Nikki Cross when we talk about the Bailey and Bianca match. So remind me about that. Um, Drew McIntyre carrying Cross in the steel cage match. Uh, they worked pretty hard. The match was pretty good. I mean, again, if you remember how remember how months ago our our chat that we could just never get past was that Ronda Rousey doesn't seem that interested. Yes, I feel like our new chat that we can't get past is that carrying cross isn't very interesting. Yes, and you know Indeed. what is there to say? What else can you say about this guy who he's got the look that they want, and he's got scarlet, and you know everything that's surrounding him is you know basically there to to make him work, and um, it just people because d- this crowd we should we should mention this crowd at Riyadh were probably the best Saudi crowd there's ever been. They were very loud for the whole show. They were very enthusiastic, but even they could only muster a certain amount of enthusiasm for carrying Cross.
1: Yeah, it was unlike a murmur. No, the people were people did respond to more to this match than any prior Cross versus Drew match or Angle, which I you know isn't saying a whole lot. Um, and again, here, I mean, even though McIntyre won, Cross was protected on the finish, and McIntyre climbed. Over the cage to the floor before Scarlett could unlock the cage, so Cross could reach the floor via the door. So it was kind of not a fluke, but it was a very close call on the finish. It wasn't a convincing, decisive win for Drew. And afterwards, Cross said that it wasn't supposed to happen like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, it was okay. But I mean, to me, I mean, Cross. If he doesn't get over him, whatever he does next. Then if I was, I was WWE, I would be having, you know, serious, serious um you know, misgivings about this rehire. And I would be considering what to do with him next, because it's just been one mediocre or flop feud or program or match or angle after another. And, you. you know, after a while, you know, you've got to just sort of say, well, the problem is him. It's not the booking. It's not the crowd. It's not his opponent. You know, it's not some other outside factor. It's this guy. And he should be more over than he is. Um, So to me, he's last chance saloon right now. If I was in WWE, when you think of they've got so many people in developmental or in NXT, rather, that they can bring up. I mean, I just, I'd just be saying, all right, let's have one last ditch effort to try and get this guy over. And if it doesn't work, I'm afraid you're just going to have to send him packing and give someone else that spot. Because it's not only Cross that's not interesting and, you know, we're there bored when he's in the ring generally. His opponents are damaged by association. I mean, look yeah. at how hot Drew was uh, going into Clash at the Castle. I know part of the reason why he's cooled off is because he didn't win, he didn't beat Roman Reigns. But this feud with Carrion Cross has been detrimental to his career, no question.
0: Um, well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see by the end of the year where the carrying cross-experiment is. Um, we then had the Judgment Day uh, taken on the OC. Um, it was kind of more of the same. The OC are not very... They're also not very interesting. The Judgment Day is very good. <laughs> but, um, you know, the OC, it's like... I un- I understand what they're doing. And I understand the idea that with AJ Styles that like, we bring in his pals, yeah, they used to be the the club or the OC or whatever. Like yeah. that'll be a way to like mesh this all together and make them feel really interesting. But because the judgment they are so good as an act, you know, Balor's really coming into his own as as this kind of snidey, you know, little weasel guy. Dominic's, you know, the kind of the the young guy who's been taken under their wing, Damien Priest is the muscle, well Rhea is the muscle, Rhea, well, Rhea the muscle actually um, yeah. they've just got such a great act that I think they, they almost show the flaws in the OC because they're so good and I think that's kind of what happened here where you know when Ripley ended up kind of getting involved at the end um, and costing the OC the match um, I mean it seemed like the most it was the most foregone
1: of conclusions right well you predicted it I didn't because <laughs> – and the reason for that I'm not Robin is, Enfant. Well, I mean, Gallows and Anderson only returned on October 10th, right? This was their first premium live event appearance. And, like, AJ, you know, he needs something exciting to happen for him. Uh, sadly, Gallows and Anderson aren't it. <laughs> I just feel like Styles and Gallows and Anderson probably need to change brands because there is similarities or are similarities between the OC and Judgment Day. You've kind of got this sort of dark theme, this skull theme. I think Styles, Gallows and Anderson would probably work better as heels. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would suggest that they be sent to SmackDown um, forthwith. I mean, I'm not sure what happens next after this latest defeat. I mean, I know they have won some matches, but it just feels like the... It just feels like the secondary um, to the Judgment Day. And obviously they are because, you know, if they were the priority, they would have beaten the Judgment Day at at Crown Jewel, wouldn't they? So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not quite sure what Styles, Gallows and Anderson do next. Hopefully a move to SmackDown is on the cards because on Raw, I mean, I haven't watched Raw yet and we're going to be talking about Raw and the Power Slam, right? When we're talking about that on the other podcast. Yep. Um, Yeah, they need, something needs to change for Styles, Gallows and Anderson. And Styles just kind of feels like, I mean, I'm not saying he's as bored rigid as Jim Ross, but he's he's heading in that direction. He just feels <laughs> like he's lost his mojo, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he really does. Really does feel like he's lost it. But um, yeah, well, well, again, it's AJ is kind of in a similar position to to carry and cross. Not, I mean, obviously Cross is very new. Styles has been there for a while, but I mean, something needs to start heating up soon. You know. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Um, but uh, anyway up next on the show we had Braun Strowman taking on uh, Omos Omas
1: Omas. I don't
0: know why why, all of a sudden I couldn't say that name Omas Um, MVP obviously been taken out on Smackdown so that was why the explanation for him not being there
1: by Braun Strowman we should mention Braun Strowman Strowman. blasted him into oblivion with running power slams so
0: they had this like 7 minute match and it was actually pretty decent for what you would imagine Braun Strowman, Strowman and Omas are able to do Um, And then Braun Strowman decided to go on social media and just kind of undid a lot of the good work that he did by burying half of his colleagues. It was quite kind of amazing to watch this play out. Have you seen his tweet, by the way?
1: I I didn't see it, no. I did did read some reactions to it because lots of people then knocked him online, didn't they, for... You know, yes. disparaging his peers, you know, his contemporaries. Now what, what did he what did he tweet, Kenny? What did he write?
0: Uh, so let me just get the exact verbiage here, because I don't wanna uh, or did he de- 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 delete it? Uh, hold on. Ron Strowman tweets. it was right at it was before he left uh, Saudi, I think. Um he tweeted uh Okay, here we go. Uh controversial tweet. Yeah, so he said, "Holy hell, Omas! Can you believe we got forty-seven? Uh, we got forty-seven stars, and reminded people that no one cares about these floppy floppers, giants and monster over flippy flipper bag your groceries at Kroger." <laughs> hashtag airport test. Hashtag size is the prize. Hashtag swole is the goal. And it's like, no. no. If this was 1992, I totally get it. And I'm sure the Warlord and the Barbarian would be high-fiving him backstage. Yeah. Does he, does he not understand where he works? That There are there are a lot of yeah uh, agile wrestlers in WWE, and it just kind of feels like, why would you put that out after you've just had a really good performance?
1: Exactly. I mean, look at Ricochet and LA Knight. They had a heck of a match on SmackDown. And Ricochet did a lot of his big fly moves. And... um you know, I mean, I would say most people in the company respect Ricochet. He's a hell of a talent. I mean, look at what Logan Paul did in the main event. All the aerials he did. I mean, are you going to, you know, cast aspersions on them? Are you going to find fault with them? Are you going to mock a person who main evented the show for doing aerial moves, which was so well received, you know, in the arena and worldwide? Very I mean, I understand there's some heat on him anyway because it was his tardiness and he's just got a bit of a bad attitude backstage. I mean, yeah, someone needs to have a word. I'm sure it already has happened, Kenny. I'm sure words will be had or, or already have been had with Braun. Stop knocking your your colleagues, your peers, you know, trying you've just come back. You know, these people are, are gonna put you over. And there's a lot of people who've put a lot of, you know, sacrificed a lot of themselves to get you over. So, you know, be respectful, you know, be grateful. I mean, that's the message backstage. I was always told that wrestlers should have to their peers, you know, because it's a team effort here. You know, in order for you to go over, someone else has got to go under. So thank them for that.
0: Because he did, um, I mean, he kind of backtracked, saying, "You know, it should take a joke. It's a joke." But I mean, yeah, just, just, it, 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 I just don't get it. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's just mad to me. But
1: um, I mean, in that, the I match, with think- Omas, it was a good, it was, it was a good little match. But I mean, it wasn't like some band burner or something, was it? I mean, it was no, okay. I mean, we're I not going
0: think- to be including it in our match of the year contenders or anything. You know Exactly.
1: And, and you know, Strowman did do a really good job here. He sold for Omas. I thought he did do, you um, know, he was in position and he really made Omas look strong before Omas missed a charge into the corner. And then Braun nailed him with a running power slam for the one, two, three. So I thought it was a really good performance by Braun and probably, possibly Omas's best match. I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, I know he hasn't had many good matches, so I mean, Braun should have been proud of what he did here against a guy who's still very green, but I mean, yeah, it's not—it's not going to be included in any in, on any match of the year list. It wasn't even a match on, you know, if you're going to name the top five matches of the night, it, it might have cracked cracked the top five matches of the night, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah, nothing to write home about. No, um, well then we had uh, the Usos taking on Ridge Holland and Butch for the tag team titles. And um, this was pretty fun as well. I mean, obviously, you know, Sheamus is the is the leader of the group. But, I mean, Holland and Butcher, I thought they had a good effort. And, you know, nobody really thought they were going to win the titles. But, you know, this they need to have matches like this where they're kind of, you know, slowly getting up the ladder, getting more time in front of the, the main roster audience. So I didn't have a problem with this one. What do you think?
1: Yeah, and what about Sheamus being given all this time off for his honeymoon? I mean,
0: gone. I mean, this wouldn't be this wouldn't have been the case a while ago. So no,
1: good no chance. <laughs> you want maybe, time off?
0: Maybe you'd have got a yeah. day off for of your wedding, but you'd be on the house show the next day.
1: Well, exactly. Like the only time you ever, the only time you ever got any time off is when you were injured. That was it. <laughs>
0: yeah, not, not even that. I mean, Drew got to go to the wedding. Seth was there. Like you know, there's a bunch of wrestlers who got to go. Yep. And uh, you know that's how it should
1: be. You know, the guys absolutely, yeah. Becky was there, Claudio Castagnoli was there. Miro. Miro was a groomsman. Yeah, Drew was the best man. So uh it looked like a really good bash, didn't it? But yeah, this match was uh I thought it was a decent little match. I mean, the problem is that everything not involving Sammy Zayn sort of feels like filler, doesn't it? Because the Zayn Uzo's Jimmy and Jane inter- interaction is so good that you just want more of that. So, in some ways it was nice. That Sammy wasn't there, and you know, absence making her heart grow fonder and all that. Um, I thought Holland, I mean, he's still he's he's making a little bit of progress, um, but he's certainly not become the star that I hoped he would. Um, you know, whenever you look at him, you just, you know, you just think, God, I wish that that incident hadn't happened. I still haven't quite, you know, whenever I look at Ridge, I just still think of the incident with You Know Who.
0: <laughs> um, so
1: Holland, you know, saved Butch from a pin attempt uh, by Jay, and Jay kicked out of Holland's White Noise, which was a tribute to Sheamus that was acknowledged on the air. Uh, and in the end, Jimmy pinned Butch after a one D off the ropes. So they mentioned that uh, at this point, Jimmy and Jay were uh, their title reign had lasted for 475 days, and there will be a big match on SmackDown this Friday. Between Jimmy and Jay and Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, and if Kingston and Woods defeat Jimmy and Jay, then it means that Jimmy and Jay won't break their record as the longest reigning tag team champions in company history.
0: It's a good. That's a good hook for a, a, a TV show. Yeah. Sure. Um,
1: yeah. So yeah, it was. It was okay. It was a decent little match. I think it was. It was held back by the knowledge that there was simply no chance that Butch and Holland were going to win. So, I mean, you know, it was, that was very much working against it. That was in its, not in its favour. So, but yeah, it was okay. Uh, Then
0: we had, throughout the night, we did have numerous segments where we had like Logan Paul and his brother Jake Paul arriving. We had the, the bloodline arriving. We had a video package on Cody Rhodes. We had all this stuff. On, on the show, kind of as it was going through, but the, the semi-main was Bianca Belair and Bailey in a last women's standing match for the Raw Women's title. And I mean, I thought this match was good, but I mean, I could feel your despair, Finn, when Bianca won this. But also there was various points where there was stuff they were trying to do that I just don't think worked that well. But there was a point where Bailey was on top of the, the cart and she was clearly supposed to fall off, but she didn't fall off. And there's a book yeah. where Bailey was driving the cart towards Bianca and that Bianca had to sell like being scared and it's like you know AEW have got that great spot from the original Stadium Stampede do you remember the one with Matt Hardy and Sammy yes. Guevara yeah that's a great spot and that was you know that looked so you know nuts when Sammy was trying to get out the way and all that <laughs> I mean Bianca it's like Bailey's cart was going I think an electric, an electric scooter that an old lady's got in Morris's would go faster <laughs> in <laughs> what Bailey had, and but then and then the, but then the whole the thing about the psychology that kind of for me just took me out of it was so we're meant to believe that Damage Control who are who are recruiting Nikki Cross right they're they're getting her to be in their gang yeah so you got her to interfere in the tag match but you didn't get to interfere here where she could have legally the whole time
1: yeah exactly I mean. You, I mean, they just threw everything at this match, didn't they? Every prop. We had, you know, the golf cart. And also, I mean, how deflating was it when Bailey was on top of the golf cart on the stage? And then Belair drove the golf cart down the long ramp where a table was set up. And the spot was she threw Bailey off the top of the car onto a table, and the table was supposed to break, and it didn't break. <laughs> and it was just like and they had to cover for that on commentary and you know, Bel Air would, would then have been instructed no doubt by Bailey, powerbomb me through the table, which she did, and then we, lo- then we learned Kenny that the table had been pre sawn it, <laughs> it just snapped into two pieces and like, so that was kind of deflating um, but yeah they, they just tried everything here and it was too much it was like one of those AEW matches in which they just do everything and it's overkill. And I think they could have done fewer things, it would have worked more. I just, these two, the chemistry just not there. I mean, Bailey is the person, you know, who had the good match with Eva Marie. You think like Bailey could have a, a really good match with anyone. And I'm not saying this match was rotten or anything. But it just was, it lasted too long. And there were moments there where it looked like it was really heating up and then it just sort of cooled off and it was like they weren't communicating and the timing on so many things was off. And yeah, just too many props as well. When, you know, use your talent if you've got talent. Okay, if you've got no talent, use your props. Your props are your substitute for talent. But I mean, these two, they're better than this, Kenny. I mean, the ending... It was okay. I'm sure it sounded really good when someone floated it as an idea for the finish. And they had a step ladder. Um, Belair ended up firstly uh, doing the KOD on Bailey on a chair. That was a nasty-looking landing because the chair moved just before Bailey collided with it. And then Belair trapped Bailey um, inside the two sides, you know, the two sets of ladders, you know, of the step ladder. Mm -hmm. And then as she was inside the step ladder with rungs on either side of her, she shoved the ladder under the bottom rope. So Bailey couldn't, you know, escape because the bottom rope was trapping her inside the step ladder. And I'm not saying it looked, it looked phony. I mean, I actually thought it looked okay, but by this point, I think we just had enough and we just wanted this match and this feud to be over. And, yeah, I don't want to see any more matches between these two. And no, um, yeah, I'm not sure what Bailey does next. It's, you know, no doubt we'll be talking about this on on the other podcast. <laughs> I'm sure there was some hints were dropped, or hopefully some hints were dropped on Raw. So we'll be talking about that later in the week.
0: Yes, we will. Um, now the Bray Wyatt segment. Let's just condense it. Um basically, he came out. He, the crowd were very behind him. They were chatting. We love you. He talked about how the monster destroyed him. He's alone, and then eventually Uncle Howdy gets in the, the scream of the mask and says that you know, uh, you should just give in and 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 become the monster. Remember how good it feels. And uh, you know if you're worried about if you're worried about because uh, then he says if you're worried about the the aftermath, you know, just don't take the mask off. Um, tell me I'm wrong. He's t- he's t- saying all this stuff, and Bray Wyatt's kind of standing there trying to take it in. So it's like we're getting like a. A small nugget of progression every time, but we're not, you know, it's Yeah, we're we're just it's it's not exactly running at pace at this no. point. No. It's you know, cause you actually, I mean, you you've read it perfectly in the next issue of the magazine actually and what's going down, kind of encapsulating what's happened so far. Yes, you know, when it comes out. But I mean, it's one of those things where it's like you know, we do these podcasts, and you're meant, we're meant to kind of analyze stuff. That's like we don't really get a lot more stuff to analyze with us.
1: No, I mean, I actually quite enjoyed the segment. I thought what they did on SmackDown with you know Bray having these you know inner voices telling him to do terrible things, and this when his staff member interrupted him, and then you know wanna I want to smash your head in the wall, and he didn't act on you know he's in this inner dialogue and sent the staffer away unharmed. And then he appeared at Crown Jewel. And I thought this segment actually went out. I thought it was actually, I think it did progress the story slightly, not hugely and not massively, but enough. And like, yeah, the the theory here, my theory on this is that, you know, Bray's war is really with himself here, isn't it? So he's trying not to be that person, but then the person that appears on screen is him telling him that, yes, You should be that person because you want to be that person. And it feels so good to be that person. And, you know, don't fight it. You know, you need to be evil because that's who you are. So that's the story so far. And um, I'm still not quite sure how this is going to play out in matches, Kenny. (laughs) I'm still digesting the whole thing. But it is making more sense to me than it did two weeks ago. I will say that.
0: There you go. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking about it again next week to see what nugget they give us on this week's SmackDown. Uh, the main event was, of course, Logan Paul used Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Universal Championship, and I mean I don't know I, I'm flabbergasted at how good Logan Paul is. Oh, this was his yeah. third match. Yeah, I mean, man. have you ever seen someone in a third match look as confident as, uh, you know, in his ability High pressure situation. I I can't think of anyone who in their third match was able to do this.
1: Oh, no. I mean, let's face it, a lot of people in their 300th match couldn't have done this. You know, I mean, he was... I mean, we should mention as well, he suffered a serious knee injury halfway through the match. I think that happened after he did that big, big springboard. And yeah. It was a tremendous action photo that appeared online of him in mid-air just before Reigns nailed him with the punch you know when he you know when he landed in the mat landed on the mat rather so he spent a long time logan spot paul spent a long time on the mat after that spot and i think that's when he did his knee in and he kept on going doing all sorts of amazing you know stunts including later in the match where he actually leapt out of the ring cleared both cleared the top rope and hit this perfect you know like plancher onto jimmy and jay ringside i mean he showed it again in slow motion and part of it was jimmy and jay's positioning of course but i mean he didn't even touch the ropes and he did that with like a really serious knee injury i guess the the, the adrenaline you know that was providing a natural anesthetic which they say it does um but yeah this was a hell of a match um once again they stressed that If Paul had beaten Reigns, it would have been the biggest upset in pro wrestling history. So it was the weird psychology that they went into it with was, you know, Paul can't win. He told us from the beginning that he can't win, that he won't win. uh, And he didn't win. And yet the match was still really exciting. Um, And, uh, you know, they were really pushing the, the whole one lucky punch. And Paul had mentioned that earlier on the show when he got out of the vehicle um, and that's all he needed. And saying how good he felt. Um, did you see Paul's bookshot lariat, Kenny?
0: I did. I did. <laughs> wow.
1: No wonder Hangman Adam Page has quit Twitter.
0: <laughs> 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 I mean, Nothing was, to do
1: with Elon Musk, and everything to do with Logan Paul.
0: <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that he's it and because he's. So they think that he's got a torn meniscus and a torn MCL for definite, but he might also have a torn ACL. And that's the thing that could keep him out like nine months or whatever, rather than three months. So that's the thing that they're kind of uh, waiting to hear on. But I mean, the fact that he did all that with that, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how good he is. And if he then can also, on top of all the ability stuff that he's got, if he can understand wrestling to a point where he can go, I could be one of the best heels yeah. in wrestling. If he gets that and he understands it and he and he kind of commits to doing that, I think he could be, you know, he could do this for years if he wanted to. But it's is he gonna have that ability? To, who's around him? You know, is Heyman is somebody who would probably be quite good to maybe point that out to him if if he's so inclined. But I think that's that's the future for Logan Paul to me, is the is a top heel.
1: Yes. Yeah, we've talked about this previously. and I think, you know, at some point, you know, Heyman will split from the bloodline and that would be a really good role for him to be a part-time manager for Logan and Jake, his brother, who was involved here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Jimmy and Jake came out and beat down uh, Paul's uh, buddies, dragged him over the, the guardrail, uh, beat them down in the ring i mean that was kind of looked like they were this is the thing when people who haven't been trained take a beat in it looks like it really hurts doesn't it mm-hmm. you know, when they fall down and jake Paul came out and wasn't really that good wasn't really that blown away by um his interactions with jimmy and jay but jimmy and jay did sell for him you know they fell down for his punches um so i mean you know that was you know that was really quite honorable of those guys as tag team champions to do that for an outsider. But I mean, you know, they, they're they they're on board with the script. They understand what their role is. And I guess long-term they were thinking, well, maybe Jake and Logan face Shimmy and Jay at some point. That's now on hold, of course. But you're right. If Jake and Logan are coming in as a tag team or as a mini faction with Paul Heyman, uh, you know, as proper full-blown arrogant you know, wealth flaunting heels, we can do everything better than you, then yeah, they've 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 got a future there as like a, you know, big show act doing a couple of, couple of matches a year and making a lot of money for themselves. The only thing that could potentially deter them from doing that is this injury that Logan has just suffered because obviously pro wrestling can be very dangerous. And if he has suffered the ACL, he isn't going to be able to do anything athletic until next July or August.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, which
1: is, you know, I mean, I know he makes a lot of money, but he's he's not going to be able to do any matches or or fights or anything until then, is he?
0: No. So, I mean, hopefully it's not a torn ACL. Hopefully that's the one that he's just managed to avoid. Um, because it would be a real shame if he wasn't, you know, Logan Paul to me, I mean, WrestleMania and LA seems right up his alley, you know, with the Hollywood theme and all that. So... Sure. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he gets to gets to be on that. But he, I mean, he knocked my socks off with his performance. Obviously, Roman carried a lot of it, and Roman's great. But I mean, it takes takes two to tango, and Logan Paul certainly lived up to his end of the bargain. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, Reigns really sold for uh, you know Paul's punch actually hitting me two punches, and Reigns went down. And Heyman at ringside was like. He's like, oh, no, you know, it's like, this is it, it's over. And Reigns just kicked out and then rolled to ringside, really sold the punch and even sold the punch after he'd won. And as he's walking up the the ramp afterwards, he sort of stumbled, uh, fell over, you know, he was like grabbing his face. So, I mean, Reigns showed a lot of respect here for Paul, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He really, you know, even though he won the match, there was all this, you know, commotion with Jake Paul and Jimmy and Jay and Paul, uh, Logan Paul's pals at ringside and Solo Sokoa came out. And it seemed like they were setting something up there where referees intervened between Solo Sokoa and Jake Paul. I mean, we don't know yet whether Jake's been trained or whether he knows how to sell. So, I mean, that they did the right thing there, you mm-hmm. know, keeping those two apart because that could have been potentially disastrous. You know, and Jake Paul's obviously got an image to uphold as well. So, you know, he's you know very protective of himself and his, you know, his public persona. He doesn't want to be selling for anyone really and certainly retreating because what does, what would that say about him? And that could potentially, you know, impact upon, you know, his drawing power as a real fighter. So there was a lot of, this match had a lot of masters to serve, didn't it? It had to do a lot. It had to achieve a lot of things. And I think it did everything it was supposed to. I mean, Reigns ended up pinning Paul after Paul had nailed Jimmy and Jay with the aforementioned amazing plancher to the floor. Reigns then nailed him with a superman punch and this spear for the one, two, three. So, yeah, it was the right outcome. Amazing match. Um, All the moving parts, I think, really meshed together well. And, uh, yeah, just a shame that Logan Paul suffered the injury. So hopefully the ACL, hopefully sidestep that and the ACL isn't torn and he can Wrestle again early next year. Um, well, listen, that's all the
0: time we've got for today. And yet hopefully, you know, by the time, I, it probably won't be by tomorrow when we record, but maybe by next week, hopefully we know Logan Paul's prognosis. Um, but then I look forward to us chatting again tomorrow and dissecting Raw and some other, you know, maybe
1: bits and news, bits and pieces going on in the world of wrestling. Absolutely, Kenny. Absolutely. So, uh, and uh, good luck with that appeal. <laughs> I'd say, Kenny, you know, if you need my help, just call anytime.
0: It's like a bat signal. Just put it in the sky. <laughs> F Martin's there. Um, but yeah, well, listen, um, the, the Jim Cornette cover is now out there uh, for the next edition of the magazine, issue 27. Jim did a big photo shoot for us. So, uh, you know, I hope you go and check that out. The interview is fantastic. Six pages of Jim Cornette and Finn going at it. Debating all the big topics of the day, so it's uh, well worth your
1: perusal,
0: Inside the Ropes magazine.com
1: Yes, we will let you know when it's available. It is, I think, November 24th, I think it's on sale, Kenny. I think that yes. rings the bell, that date.
0: Yes, November, yeah, November 24th. But if you subscribe, you might get it a few days early, so Inside the Ropes magazine.com is where you can do that. Um, or if you're in the UK, uh, select Tesco Stores and WH Smith do stock the mag so you can actually dm us on twitter uh with your postcode and we'll tell you the neatest place that you can pick up so i want to thank you for your support everybody and we'll talk to you soon